this is Angel on Sax, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host DJ Rome on KCWG, thetruth.com, best internet radio on the planet. I'm going back to the south. I'm going back, 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 back when my roots ain't watered down. Growing, growing like a bob-bob tree of life on fertile ground. My ancestor put me on game. Long time on gold chains with my old shoon in a jail. Drip all on me.
KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, as we said at the top of the show, we got the doctors in the house tonight, y'all. We have a pandemic going on in case you don't know, but we also have some relief on the way. Them stimmies are heading into people's accounts and people are finally experiencing an iota of hope and relief. Uh, some of us, and it's been long in coming and to make a statement about the, the level of angst that has sort of consumed this nation uh, in the, throughout the course of this coronavirus and its response federally, uh, it, it's caused some issues. And of course, if this nation has a cold, they say black folks got the flu and black folks don't necessarily just get the flu in terms of congestion. It can get all up in our mental and our spiritual. And so I wanted to talk to someone who has some insight as to the impact of what these pressing issues have upon our citizens in terms of their mental health and from a psychopharmacological perspective. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, Dr. Allison McDade. Dr. McDade, are you there? I am. Hi, thank you. And uh, uh, thank you for inviting me over. Oh, it's a pleasure. Dr. McDade, y'all, is a psychiatrist out of Houston, Texas in private practice. So I'm really excited to be talking to you about these things. When you think about all these STEMIs, you know that do do you know that they call them STEMIs? These stimulus checks. I I do. I, I like that name. It's cute. <laughs> I got them STEMIs, y'all. I got them STEMIs. <laughs> and it's like you kind of deal in STEMIs too because you work with antidepressants and stimulants mm -hmm. and well anyway mm -hmm. we'll talk about that. But I I just thought that was a a cool little link. But wow. In Houston, Texas, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about your practice? Uh, what are some of the more common and pressing issues that you're dealing with in terms of the mental health of our folks out there where you are in the Houston region? That would be Harris County, correct? Mm -hmm. That's uh, right. Yeah, what are you seeing from day to day in your practice? I would say that um, from day to day, what I'm seeing, uh, especially since the pandemic hit, is an increase in addiction issues. Mm. So um, addiction, then addiction leading to worsen whatever the baseline psychiatric issue was. So depression, anxiety, um, what have you. So a lot of people are coming in, and, you know, especially at the beginning when we had the uh, complete lockdown, especially in Texas, because, um, you know, mm -hmm. we kind of let up very soon after, but the first couple of weeks where there was a lockdown, nobody was, um, you, didn't, you didn't have to go to work. You could mm -hmm. just work from home. You, you know, some people would, you know, you could drink in the morning, you can drink in the afternoon you know, use things that you weren't typically using when you were at work because people were there and they could, you know, they could see you. Mm -hmm. A lot of people kind of fell into um, either um, into back into their addiction or kind of mm -hmm. developed a, a new addiction. And so that was something that I definitely saw a lot of, a lot of people, a lot more people coming into detox off of drugs or alcohol. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the, what we call like the sequelae of using those things. So alcohol can be a depressant, can make you um, uh, more and more depressed if you continue to use it um, excessively. Um, using things like cocaine, meth, popping pills, that kind of stuff, they can all worsen your anxiety, your depression can cause you to have um, what we call psychosis and that kind of stuff. So we're seeing a lot more of that, um, mm. especially early on, uh, maybe the first couple of months of the pandemic. The other thing I would say is um, uh, with kids, um, and this is kind of like a positive and a negative. So there, you know, a lot of the kids that I see, cause I'm, I'm a child trained psychiatrist. Um, a lot of the kids that I see 
come to me because of anxiety, um, a lot of issues with uh, relating to other kids socially at school. So maybe being picked on, bullied, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, that a- affects their mental health. You know, that's something that we've, uh, we all know is, is a stressor. And um, when the pandemic hit, a lot of those kids, you know, they were able to just continue school from home and a lot of their anxiety improved. And so mm-hmm. um, in the past, um, and, I, and, and you mentioned that you, you know, you've also worked with um, juvenile or children in the past, but, um, but in the past, what we've said is, okay, you know, if your child has anxiety, we want to make sure that you continue to keep them in school because then that can increase the amount of things, you know, if they're at home, then they're kind of isolated and it makes it even harder to kind of rejoin society, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, but what we what I what I saw with a lot of the kids that I had who had anxiety was um, the fact that they knew a lot of kids that were also at home. They didn't necessarily feel like them having to do school from home was a failure in some way. Okay. And then um, also, um, you know, now we have Zoom, we have, um, you know, they could do their extracurriculars where they're still going to see their friends there, but they didn't have to necessarily deal with all the um, negativity at, um, that they're receiving at school. Yeah. And so some of those kids, they flourish, like some kids who are kind of like chronic or I would say chronically, but um, would frequently have like suicidal thoughts or mm-hmm. um, very depressed or anxious because of their um, environment at school. Um, those kids did better. What's your um, therapeutic approach to them? So um, it kind of depends on what the on what type of anxiety it is. So if you have a child that's um uh, has, let's say, um, generalized anxiety. So they have panic attacks. It's not really a specific trigger for them, um, that sort of stuff. Then, um, you know, then that would be something that we would consider treating with medications. Um, and so the goal with medicine is to help um, not necessarily um, completely remove panic attacks or completely remove anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, there's still going to be some level of anxiety for most people, mm-hmm. um, the the point of using antidepressants is to help decrease it to a point where they're able to still engage in whatever it is that might cause anxiety, mm-hmm. um, and then have them learn. Okay, well, you know what? I was able to go to school today, and I was able to stand up in front of the class, or I was able to, to um, you know. Um, talk to a new person without and nothing bad happened and it's almost like it's almost like teaching yourself okay well I'm learning that you know this is not necessarily a thing that's going to harm me this is not a a fight or flight a need for a fight or flight response the number of black psychiatrists just generally in the profession are not near to the level of uh, white uh, psychiatrists so can you talk about that a little bit about some of the things that might distinguish uh, someone's benefit, you know, I'm just going to call it a net benefit if they have a chance to see mm-hmm. from our community. Uh, can you talk about what some of those uh, unique features are with seeing a black psychiatrist and how it's distinguished from seeing other psychiatrists who are not African-American? Absolutely. So um, one thing that one statistic that I always like to bring up is that, um, you know, in terms if you look at um, mental health diagnoses by race, um, African-Americans have the same um, portion of 
uh, people in, in the population with depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. However, as everybody else, however, um, if you look at like what we're actually diagnosed with, we are more frequently diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder mm. than um, our counterparts. And um, they think that implicit bias is the reason why. So um, I, I believe that part of that is like, like I said, implicit bias, but also we speak about things, we kind of communicate things a little bit differently sometimes. So um, one thing that, uh, I would say like my grandma, she's, um, you know, she's like 94. And so whenever she's not feeling good or she's feeling down, she doesn't say, man, I'm feeling so sad today. Or I'm feeling depressed. It's I'm tired. Uh, I, you know, a, a lot of like some, like what we call somatic or like physical complaints, right? Like I'm tired. My stomach hurts. I feel like my body is tired, you mm -hmm. know, not necessarily, um, I'm depressed or I'm sad, um, I, I use my grandma as an example because, um, growing up, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand that difference until I kind of like started, um, you know, medical school and residency. And I was like, oh shoot, grandma's, grandma mm. says that when she's depressed or, mm. um, you know, or when grandma, like my grandma also has panic attacks sometimes, which again, I didn't recognize her panic attacks because, mm. um, I, you know, we didn't really voice them as such right mm -hmm. um, so she would say oh my heart something's wrong with my heart mm -hmm. not not i'm feeling anxious right. you know what i'm saying so um you know sometimes um we will might communicate some things a little bit differently and that can cause things to be missed right mm -hmm. so um you can go to your primary care doctor and talk about how tired you are and this and that and they say oh you know lose weight eat less salt but the problem is actually that you're depressed and so that's a missed that then that gets missed how do you distinguish when it's time to prescribe versus it's time to continue other forms of therapeutic intervention so um for me what i usually look at is how much something is impairing someone's ability to function so is this making it to where um it's affecting their schoolwork or their their job is this making it to where um, like more recently I had a um, patient who um, was depressed um, and she was having trouble with showering um, even just doing laundry seemed like a huge task for her um, it was affecting her ability to work so she was like having trouble with concentration falling behind at work because she, she was just depressed mm -hmm. and so um, I look kind of at those things, especially with anxiety. I look at those things to see, okay, well, um, where is this impacting them? And if it is causing a lot of issues, then then it 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 guides the treatment. So it guides like, okay, well, are we gonna start an antidepressant versus um, something that's kind of more of like a um, medication just to take whenever they're having symptoms. And I always try to tell people like, don't look at medicine as a failure in any way, because if you were to get started on blood pressure medicine, you wouldn't look at that as a failure. Mm. You look at that as, um, okay, well, you know, high blood pressure runs in my family. So, you know, I gotta just make sure I take these medications to to make sure that I stay, stay, stay um, healthy. How you know? much better are we getting with that? Because people, okay, <laughs> let's take our elders <laughs> For example, because they were like, look, child, we just dealt with it. All right. I mean, we just took it on the chin and just kept on going. You youngins and generation X, Y, Z, 
Y'all entitled, y'all complain a lot, y'all, 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 y'all. Hey, the sticky wheel gets the oil, right? (laughs) (laughs) We not talk about oil. I mean, we... (laughs) I I shouldn't be the one talking about oil. (laughs) Right, yeah, we... Private joke, ladies and gentlemen, with cars we were talking about before the interview. I'll have to tell you another time. But the squeaky wheel does get the oil, though, right? I mean, but... They, there's this sense that we have become, I hate to use this term because it's so politically charged. charged. Well, well, say your word again. Oh, charged. I, yeah. So I said politically well, like snowflakes. They call them. Oh, like yeah. It's like you guys are you guys are experiencing this because you're not strong enough. And it, because mm-hmm. of people giving them that, that. You haven't had enough trauma. Yes. <laughs> It's a race. Yeah, let's see how much we can handle. So are we getting better with that, Dr. McDade? Have we begun to educate people that it's it's okay not to be okay, you know? I would say that yes, in some ways, and then still there's some things that we have to get better at. So um, I would say that there definitely has been more of a conversation about mental health in the African-American community. Because when I was growing up, mm-hmm. um, it was like therapist. You know, we don't have to pay somebody to be mm-hmm. airing out the the dirty laundry, right. you know, or therapy. We, we're not going to pay somebody to be your friend, you know. Like the, that was that was what people would say, right? And so, pray to the Lord, pray to your Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And um, you know, that's another thing we've talked about. I've talked to, about this before that for whatever reason. When you go to church, they never say, oh, you know, oh, Sister McDay, you don't need that, uh, that, uh, I don't know, that thyroid surgery. God will heal you. No, they'll say, we're going to pray for you while you go, you you get on the prayer list. We're going to pray for you while you get your thyroid, you know, fixed or whatever. Um, But, but when it comes to depression, like emotional, psychiatric issues, then it's like, oh, we're going to pray for you. But like as as though um psychiatry and therapy are saying that you don't believe dr allison mcdade is a psychiatrist out of houston texas y'all thank you so much for joining us on psychotic bump school will you come back and join us again sometime absolutely this is uncle funk of the soul children la and you're listening to psychotic bump school with your host dj Rome on kcwg the truth.com the best internet radio station on the planet. Yes, we are continuing our discussion. KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome, and I am really excited to welcome this next guest. This good brother has uh, traveled and traversed the world, and he has landed in Northern California, and he's doing some amazing work with our youth up there. So I'd like for y'all to meet Moyo, psychiatric nurse practitioner. He goes by Moyo. Mr. Moyo, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Brother Jerome, how are you doing today? Oh, real well, real well. Well, uh, we have a little bit in common in that we both reside in the Northern California region. We date 
care deeply about the young folks and you have uh, targeted your work to specifically target them. Uh, we're coming out of a pandemic, a new administration, a new rollout of the vaccine and now stimulus checks. There's a lot happening right now and I'm just wondering how we're feeling as a whole. Can you give us an idea of how your practice has evolved just in this year uh, since the onset of the new year and new administration? And uh, how are people doing with their childhood uh, issues and trauma? Uh, Moyo, can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to just talk to you about the issue. So what happened, what's happening is that uh, uh, I started my practice in 2019. And then as soon as I started the practice, a few months later, we just went into lockdown. And then, uh, so I just been doing telepsychiatry. I'm not seeing people in, in prison. And then so many people have so many issues, like especially our young folks, young black folks. There's so many issues of ADHD, ODD, but most of them are just being diagnosed with ADHD without being a proper assessment. Okay. When they come to me, I do like a thorough assessment. And sometimes it might be an operational defined disorder or something to do with the family. And then when they go to the other doctors, they just are diagnosed with uh, ADHD and just curing some ADHD medication. Why do they do that? Well, I guess sometimes people, we don't, they don't have a similar experience with them. And so the doctors, some of the day in the, in the pressure to, to just see a patient, like sometimes three or four patients an hour. So they only have a little bit of time to see the patients. And then they don't have a lived experience with the patients. So all they, all they see is just uh, they're acting up at school and that's it. They say, okay, that's ADHD. When they, if they dig deeper, they see there's a lot of issues going on in the household, in the family, or in the community. And definitely, that's what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you do psychiatric nursing. So, how do those two worlds work together when you're trying to distinguish whether someone is experiencing ADHD versus OCD? Uh, how do you make those distinctions as a psychiatric nurse? What are, What's the assessment? Um, battery or, well, not the specific battery, but what's the therapeutic philosophy that you use to combine both those worlds together? Yes, as a psychiatric nurse practitioner, I do the same functions as a, a psychiatrist. So what I do is I do like a thorough assessment of patients because sometimes people are assessed for like 30 minutes and then they're just given a diagnosis. I take like an hour to go through the patients bit by bit what's going on and before that, I'd have been given some information by the mother and the father or whatever caregiver. So it goes over the information. And then sometimes it may take two or three meetings to, to get the real diagnosis. Because sometimes the issues are just, you can't just come over the issue the same day. Certain states in the country are opening up fully and they are sort of uh, wagging their finger in the face of anybody that's still wearing a mask and is practicing as if this pandemic is still going really strong. Um, can you speak a little bit to, is, is it appropriate? I mean, just for, for children's mental health. Um, and I know it can be anecdotal because I, I know you're, you're also a father. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a father. You know what I'm saying? So what, yeah. would, what would you recommend in terms of the mental health realities surrounding whether or not it's appropriate for schools uh, to be open for our, our, our children right now in the in the midst of this pandemic? Well, I feel that, uh, first of all, 
you, you take it to the household first. If you want, you want in the household, you tell your kids, you want, you want them to wear masks, we're going to wear masks. And then as far as schools are concerned, I'm, I can't speak intelligently about this, but I've heard some concerns about like schools did not have uh, the proper ventilation in the schools and just right. need to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And some of the schools are all schools. So they might not have, uh, they don't know if the textbook funding to totally redo the schools like others, other like upscale schools can or private schools can. So that's kind of like a, almost like a case by, like it's, I know it's almost like a cop out for me to say, but it's like a, a district by district thing. They got to look at the numbers, how it's progressing. But I would, I would according to, to wear masks because this is serious. People die alone. Yeah. Yep. And it's real. It's not a joke. Not a joke. It's not a joke. Not a joke. Well, neither are you, good brother. Uh, we're talking to Moyo, psychiatric nurse out of Northern California by way of the beautiful country of Zimbabwe. Man, I can't thank you enough for being here, man. If somebody wanted to access your services or find someone who could help them with their family-based issues, uh, what's the best way for them to do so? I look at with me. My website is called betterdayspsychiatricnursing.com. Betterdayspsychiatricnursing.com. Also, a profile on psychology today. And uh, I also advertise, uh, let me see what else. Uh, yeah, psychology today in the better days, uh, psychiatry is the best place to reach me at. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm around in Southern in California, Northern California. But now, with the COVID, with the quarantine, the advantage of the only one of the good things about, no, I, I couldn't even say the good thing, one of the uh, silver lines of COVID is that I can see people from anyone in California. I can see people from LA, the Bay, Bakersfield, wherever they are, because we do yeah. telepathic. <laughs> I'm getting spoiled yeah. a little, because isn't, isn't that kind of cool though? I mean, it's like, look, I, yeah. I, I don't want to celebrate this pandemic, but that is one of the silver linings, like you said, right? Yeah, that we can reach out to everybody in California. I can see people everywhere in California. Whereas before I could only see people in my city, yeah. in the office, but now reach out to anyone in California. Yes. So ladies and gentlemen, make sure you hear that because now that if you had any reservations or excuses, Moyo's just laying, laying out why that's no longer going to work because you can find anybody now, the internet and this pandemic, you know, sad to say has re- helped people realize that this world is a lot smaller than we realize yeah. that we can reach out. And, 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 and Yeah, go ahead. And there's no excuse too for not so enough for an appointment because your appointment is right there. All you got to do is just put your pants on and uh, <laughs> right. maybe brush your teeth. And that's oh, it. But it, it, it living with you. <laughs> but it takes so much energy to roll over, pull the car. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, well, well, that's a telltale sign. If you're struggling with that, then that's definitely a sign that you might need to talk to uh, Mr. Moore. Yeah, yes. If you feel you struggle with Getting out of bed, then you need help. That's right. Stuff is good for you, but then sometimes you might need medication. And let's not let's not uh, pathologize. Let's not stigmatize people with dealing with issues. People can be dealing with depression, anxiety, even schizophrenia, bipolar, anything. Let's not uh, uh, stigmatize those people. That's right. That's right. Hey, I mean that's why you're here. That's why I have these doctors on on this episode, man. You guys help. Uh, and I know you're, you're practicing nursing, but it, it's still, 
I mean, it's so few of you, man. So I, I am honored to be able to talk to you, man. And uh, the fact that you're doing this work and have made yourself available to so many of us across this great state, man, you are really appreciated beyond words. So continued success to you, good brother. And I will definitely be back in touch with you, okay? Thank you, sir. All right, I appreciate you. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was the good brother Moyo, psychiatric nurse out of Northern California, y'all. Stay tuned for more. We'll be right back after this. Oh, 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 oh,